Hey, it's Rochelle and Carter. Love, walls, and pineapple. Mm, it sounds like a Beatles song, uh, but that's what we cover today on the Anything But Quiet Time podcast. I mean, there was so much more. It was like 33 minutes of just going on and on and on. Way to sell it. Pineapple? Rochelle and Carter with the Anything But Quiet Time podcast, and I feel like I'm the one who always gets these started. So, Carter, you tell me where you are right now. Oh, where currently I am in Humble, Texas. See, maybe this is why I and usually am the one that gets it started. Because I take these things seriously. Are you a serious person? That's why I'm wearing my serious glasses. You don't have even wearing glasses. In my mind, I do. A.K.A. you don't have any. Uh, we are Rochelle and Carter from the KSBJ Morning Show in Houston. And this is the Anything But Quiet Time podcast. Just going through what, what we go through spiritually and trying to break it down as the, the non-experts that we are. And you said that you heard a, a translation of yeah. 1 Corinthians 13. This is one of my absolute favorites. In fact, can I just be honest with uh-huh. you? When I was in high school and I took that drama class that most everybody else was just thinking it was a, an easy A. And I was there because I thought this is what I'm going to do with my life. I didn't have a monologue, but we were required to go up in front of the class and have a monologue. And I'm like, I'm going to do First Corinthians 13. Okay. Because I saw this beautifully represented by an actor in a movie and Paul was just on point. And so you just I recited did. it? I did. And it was it was very well received by the class. Good. Because well, it's, the, it's truth. You can't, I mean, you can't go wrong with truth. So Honestly, it seems like people really enjoy it, especially because every time you go to one of these, oh my goodness, it's just, <laughs> weddings to me, of course, I was a wedding Love DJ. Love is patient. It's the same thing over and over. Love is kind. <laughs> it is not boast. It does not envy. It so, is not puffed up. This is where I... Uh, You're scrolling madly. Can you not wow, find the thing? I cannot find the thing. There it is. So it was a different translation of mm-hmm. what you were just reciting. Okay. And I had never heard it put this way. There's a new translation called the Passion Translation that my my pastor will use sparingly. And I just, I had not heard it put this way. And it really made me think, do any of us do all of these? Well, this isn't King James, so I wouldn't, yeah, I wouldn't stamp this in stone yet. So You're a King James fan. Okay. <laughs> King James only. Um, so here it is. 1 Corinthians 13, 4, the Passion Translation. Love is large and incredibly patient. Love is gentle and consistently kind to all. It refuses to be jealous when blessing comes to someone else. Love does not brag about one's achievements nor inflate its own importance. Love does not traffic in shame and disrespect nor selfishly seek its own honor. Love is not easily irritated or quick to take offense. Love joyfully celebrates honesty And finds no delight in what is wrong. Love is a safe place of shelter, for it never stops believing the best for others. Love never takes failure as defeat, for it never gives up. Mm. Let me just, uh, I'm going to do like a wrong buzzer sound every time. I'm going to read it again. Okay. I'm going to do a wrong buzzer sound every time I fail at one of these. Okay. 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 Love is large and incredibly patient. Love is gentle. And consistently kind to all. It refuses to be jealous when blessing comes to someone else. Love does not brag about one's achievements nor inflate its own importance. I'm not even going to read the rest. I think you get the point. I I think it's interesting how you can take a passage so beautiful Mm -hmm. and turn it into something so irritating. (laughs) 
I honestly, I just read it and I, I think well, these are the little things. These are the intentions because I was thinking about this this morning. As a kid, thin and not thin, it was just, everything was so black and white. Mm -hmm. And you realize as you get older that the tr everything's a little bit gray because you could give money to, in fact, there's a verse on it. You give money to, all, all you have to the poor. You give money to charity, but if you're doing it without love, if you're doing it to inflate your own importance, as this part said, mm. then it's wrong. Yeah. And and so you start to realize all the things behind love is patient, love is kind. I mean, inflate own importance, uh, be consistently kind to all, be incredibly patient. It's tough. Paul really modeled, obviously, this chapter after um, what is later written in 1 John chapter 4 mm -hmm. is the person of Jesus. Because it says God is love yeah. in 1 John 4, right? And the reason why, and I had to look it up really quick, so don't think I'm some sort of guru when it comes to Scripture, but I, it was because there was an upheaval in Corinth in the church there that Paul was writing these letters in the first place. He's kind of answering questions and he, disputes. And, there was a change in leadership, and honestly, uh, I think Paul was being questioned in that moment. Apollos comes into it and all of this. The, the guy who's like, okay, listen, whether or not you're, you're gleaning from me or from Apollos, mm -hmm. As long as it's unto the Lord, that's the point. So he's stating these things. And honestly, uh, as a human being, I think that's something you would deal with with your ego. Yeah, yeah. I kind of tried to plant some stuff there. I was hoping that I'd be able to water it, but apparently this other guy is. And I'm just going to release that over to Jesus. But uh, Jesus modeled this for me. I, I'm reading about him in Scripture right now and how he must have been dog-tired. Mm. Just all the time. You're talking about Paul specifically. No, I'm talking about Jesus. Oh, you're talking about Jesus. I'm talking okay. about the fact that with Jesus, oh, wherever oh. he would go, he's followed by everybody, right? And it never says the crowd left him. No. <laughs> he got away from the crowd. The crowd I mean, he could. Followed him. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But he always was there with love and his compassion and was so patient. And so he didn't do it for himself. Clearly, he was doing it to serve other people. And so that's where Paul, obviously, he gets all of these amazing characteristics of love from the person of Jesus Christ. It wasn't about Jesus, quote unquote. It was about serving. And I I absolutely love that passage. So it tells me that Paul clearly, uh, as he's reminding the church of Corinth, the importance of these things, this is what we're striving for in the person of Jesus Christ. This is what we should be striving for on any level as a group or personally. Um, I'm sure that's something that he must have been struggling with too, because he's he's writing about it, he's reiterating it, and I don't know. I don't well, I think about how would I have felt. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Well, when I read these, I, I think maybe a lot of people do this. You see love is patient, love is kind. You see somebody writing it that it just sometimes we think they didn't struggle with it. Mm -hmm. A lot of times they're writing to themselves and the, and obviously oh, the yeah. people around them. Oh, yeah. And that love is patient, love is kind, it does not boast, it does not brag. And you're just like, hey, wow, Paul just, okay, I'd be more like him. I, no, he was, I mean, he's a human being too. Here's a weird thing. Think of it as a spiritual grocery list. Okay. Okay, so when you write your grocery list, that is a reminder for you at the grocery store while you're picking up the items. Now, eventually those items will become a meal for other people to enjoy. Mm -hmm. But if I'm writing down the items on the list, it's for me. It's for me to remember what to pick up. Yeah. So, yes, a lot of the times the things that the author will write down, it might even be for him, for others to enjoy later. Why not? 
Now that's, that's really just, good. Yeah, that's a theory. I I think. Well, <laughs> this whole podcast is a theory. <laughs> we, anything we read verbatim from the Bible is not theory. Anything yes. we say around it is theory. Um, the I think what's so important to get that perspective that so many of these people that are writing the Bible are also speaking to themselves mm. is that perfection is not relatable, and so we when we come across somebody. Well, here I'll just say what I do. I try to have it together in front of people and it's the moments where I reveal to people that, uh, I don't know what I'm doing or mm-hmm. I messed that up. That's when people go, I've messed that up too. I, I understand when you try to have this facade yeah. that you have everything figured out, oh. people will not relate yeah, and, and it'll put pressure on people. I guess I have to be like that guy, but I don't even know how he does it. Because because we're faking it so often. We feel like we should have it all together, so we put that out there, and then it makes, it makes other people feel like they should have it all together. I was reminded about this at church yesterday. Build your relationships on what's real and allow burdens to be carried together. Mm. Because if you don't, you're robbing the people who love you the opportunity to share with you and be loved by you. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And we're we may get hurt when we share those kinds of things, but um, we're created to be... We're created for intimacy. We're created for connection. And so when we kind of let our, our hair down, if you will, and mm-hmm. share those kinds of things, oh, my word. And, and so the pastor was be, being very direct. In fact, he shared openly about his struggle with pornography, finally, with his family. For a long time, the enemy told him, don't share that. Mm. Don't share that. What are you thinking? What could you possibly? Your, your family's never going to look at you the same. So then he said, in order to keep my family close to me, I pushed them away. <laughs> That's such a perversion of truth, isn't it? Yeah. That's the way he felt. So it's like, okay, if there's something that you struggle with being open with someone else, it may be an opportunity for them to join with you in prayer. Even if there may be a struggle initially, you know, that's why God created the church. Clearly, God is going to be with us every step of the way. He said, I will never leave you or forsake you. Um, You're going to have trials in this world, he said, but take comfort because I've overcome the world. Yes, God is there, but he's also given us this incredible thing called the body of Christ filled with believers. And obviously you don't want to just go willy-nilly and trust anybody, you know. <laughs> have a, have a, yeah, a safeguard. An accountability of, situation, but. Um, well, and th- what if we got to this part of people have tried that and it just hasn't worked out. So they've been burned by the church. Sure. Essentially. And, and I think what I we got to remember is, man, people are screwed up. And it's going, it will happen in some context. We're not going to feel validated or welcomed. Sure. And I think that it may be because they're scared of it or uncomfortable with it. But I guarantee you another church down the road is going to accept you with that particular issue, whatever you're dealing with, in a better way than maybe you've experienced. I don't want to, um, I, I like the word validate is what you're saying. Mm-hmm. I don't want to take away that validation from, from if you've experienced pain like that. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. But look at it as this. If the church failed you, doesn't that also show you that you are not the only one who's failed? Mm. So if you're struggling and you feel like a failure, clearly (laughs) they failed. If they failed, then it's like, oh, well, you mean we're all in this together? Now, whether or not they recognize that, that's between them and the Lord. But there will always be other people out there who are ready, willing and able to embrace. And I know in the past, sometimes uh, I can use an excuse to keep me from moving forward and um, yeah, and, and, and enable myself to continue to stay crippled in that respect. When God's like, no, 
I am here for you and with you. I have placed people around you. In fact, they may be even knocking on your door and asking, can I help you? But you're refusing their help for some reason because you got burned before. So I, I don't want to use those things as an excuse. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I think that there are always going to be, even with our family, for example, you, your mom or your dad or your brother or your sister says something that you take the wrong way maybe for years. Yeah. And then they say, I didn't mean it like that. And you go, oh, right. And so there's all sorts of misinterpretations and things said, you know, tongue in cheek things said just that we all get uh, confused or or perhaps it it is meant. But there's somebody else down the road that that is going to handle your struggle, your burden and take that on with you, too. Uh, You know, you look at the person, the Apostle Paul is the guy we were quoting at the very beginning here, 1 Corinthians 13. Here's this guy, like you said, you think, oh, he must know everything. He must have been perfect. The whole story about Paul you can read in Acts, no, didn't start off great. Didn't start off great at all. No. But God was able to redeem the situation there. And even after his ministry gets started, there are some situations there with some people that he clearly didn't want to work with at one point or another. Like, they they cut ties. And, and it doesn't on. ever say they... They came back together. You know, it'd be really funny if we got to heaven and Jesus makes them next door neighbors. They're like, all right, let's see how we can know. Barnabas and Paul, right there together. Now, Throw a little John Mark in there. It's uh, John <laughs> John Mark. Um, they, uh, I do want to say before we get to, because I know you're wrapping up the Old Testament, getting into the New Testament. Yes. Uh, I do want to say one of my favorite things that you do, uh, the book of Acts, um, is or any word like that. Uh, this is what Rochelle does. Maybe you you enunciate I can't certain help words. It. How do you say the book of Acts? Acts. Act. You make sure you get Act. that T in there. And I just mine sounds like AX or AXE. Act. The book of Acts. You know what? I'm sure that's honestly mine on when I have it repeated, I sound really pretentious. I, <laughs> when you hear yourself do it? Yeah, that sounds awful. The book of Acts. It's Acts. Acts. <laughs> yeah, I was wrapping. So we wrapped up. Nehemiah was kind of like the the last bit. We had some of the, quote, minor prophets. Boy, speaking of sounding pretentious, I don't mean to be. But that's kind of where it was in uh, chronological order. Um, there's a lot of devastation. The Babylonian exile. And then Nehemiah is the guy who serves wine to the king. Okay. Persian king Xerxes. And he sees that there is um, there's a problem back in his hometown of Jerusalem. His brother and some of the guys who who got free from Babel, Babylonian exile, uh, they come back to visit him. He's like, "Hey, so how's it going?" They're like, "Not good, not good, not good." He ends up getting permission from the king, and they rebuild the wall, and it's uh, around the city. And I'm saying this so fast. There was so much, yeah, that went into it, including dodging bullets, if you will. I mean, there was no wild western shootout shootouts because there were no guns, but like they were literally every day having to stand guard. Sometimes they weren't sleeping staying awake and trying to protect this area and everybody and their dog were out there fixing this wall. People who were, I'm a goldsmith, you're hired. Mm. Or there was um, this other guy. What did he do? He did, he was, a, was he a baker? I don't know. It was another guy who was like, never had done this kind of work before. Oh, that's a perfume maker. I oh, love the, the oh yeah. The Bible references okay. a perfume maker. And then we had talked about on KSBJ morning show, Baruch, uh-huh, uh-huh. who I just fell in love with this guy because he's the only one mentioned in the book of Nehemiah that talks about just being impassioned about building this wall. You imagine Baruch, like he would either make you super happy and you would hope that his attitude would like spill out over on top of you or, it'd or... Be like, just Baruch, go over there. 
It's like he was eager to build the wall. Like, it's like, I just imagine, because it says, the only one that he says, he's eager, right? Yeah. And so what if everybody else is like eager, but they were like, we are going to drink our coffee. Yeah. And he's out there 15 minutes early it's making like us Spartan, all look bad. He's a Spartan cheerleader. <laughs> hey, let's go. We got to build the wall today. W-A-L-L. W-A-L-L. <laughs> but yeah, Baruch. And then... Um, there's so many beautiful prophecies in the Old Testament that lead up to the coming of Jesus. You were just so ready for the birth of Jesus. And then you flip over into the place, the section that says the New Testament. And that's where I am right now. And I'm reading about Jesus and I'm like, bring it. Here he is. Here's the Redeemer. I thought you were going to say you were excited to get into the stories. And then it starts off with the genealogy right, <laughs> for the first like, Matthew, two yes. chapters. Not two chapters, but you know. But bringing up the genealogy, this is something that I've heard pastors speak on. And it's encouraging every single time when you know the story there of the people in that genealogy. Uh-huh. And the ones that Matthew, who Matthew is a tax collector. Yeah. By the culture's. Totem pole numbers, like he's the lowest because he's a sinner. He's a tax collector. That's how they rate like, him. It's right? like worse than working for the IRS. It's... Yeah. Yes. Okay. And he is one of the 12 that Jesus chooses to follow him in his ministry for three years. Matthew? Levi? That guy? He robbed us blind that one time. But Matthew is very clear in pointing out in the genealogy of Christ all of the questionable. Yeah. People in God's line. Which one? Because um, the uh, I can't remember her name. Uh, the Rahab. prostitute Rahab was was in the genealogy. Rahab is in the genealogy. Um, there, in fact, the women that get pointed out. It, it's just fascinating to me. Of course, David is in there. Mm-hmm. He, mm-hmm. You got some. You got some all stars in there. <laughs> yeah, but you've also got someone of questionable heritage, including Ruth, a Moabite. Mm. Which there are scriptures that are straight up in the Old Testament are like you do not. There is not to be any intermarriage here. Okay. okay. But Ruth clearly made it known that she wanted to follow after Naomi's people. Your God will be my God. Your people, my people. Um, but she's included in the genealogy of Jesus Christ. It's it's incredible the people that that Matthew wanted to make sure that you knew. So that they, it brings that hope that only Jesus can bring. Look at who I chose. And I love you too. Yeah. And ah, come on. And so you have gotten into uh, your. I know you said that you've matched three, of uh, the same story with the three different because the Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and which three are they talk about the talents? The four. There's four. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. They all talk about this story. Uh, oh, that's a good question because some of them do pop around. I don't know if we've gotten to all four yet, but um, because there's four gospels, know. I just don't know if, if I don't all know. of them. I talk wish about I that. had it in front of me right now. Because this is the interesting part about this particular Bible. It does go, like, if it goes from Matthew, then it jumps to Luke, then it jumps back to Mark. Okay, okay. Because it's chronological and it's in the order it happened. And sometimes I don't know that John has mentioned this one, but it's the parable of the sower. I do believe that's mentioned in all four Gospels. But anyway, uh, the parable of the sower was always kind of a confusing one to me when I was a kid. I mean, the part about spreading the seed is great. What does that mean to me? Because I've never farmed. And I'm going to ask you a hard question after what, this. Okay. But, but go ahead and, and yeah, repeat what, what, what's the story. So the parable of the sower that goes out and sows seeds. This guy throws just lots of seeds everywhere. And some of them land on a path. Some land in this like shallow, rocky type soil. Then there are some that lands in some thorn bushes and some that lands on good soil. The stuff that lands on the pathway, the birds come and eat it. Mm-hmm. And Jesus says that's representative of the word, God's message being shared by the farmer, by me, 
And the birds snatching it up is like the enemy snatching it out of the hearts of people. They don't understand it. Then there's the ones that land on the rocky, shallow soil. And at first they're kind of gung-ho. They heard the message of Jesus. Yeah, that sounds cool. <laughs> and then it doesn't last very long. And it doesn't take root. So it dies quickly. Mm-hmm. And then the, the third about the thorn bushes is that it gets thrown into this area. And it says that the thorn bushes grow up around these plants. So people are eager. They're in. They're, uh, they're yeah, let's do this. But all of a sudden, the cares of this world, whether it's worrying that ends meet or seeking wealth, uh, that's what can choke what God wants to give you in his word. It can choke that life right out of you. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, the good soil, which is where we all hope to be, is where uh, everything grows great. And it produces a crop like even up to 100 times the amount of seed the farmer threw out there in the first place. And that's you and me receiving the gospel, the word of Jesus Christ, and being able to then pass it along to other people. Mm-hmm. So I just thought it was really interesting that Jesus in this moment has created his own Enneagram. Are you a one? Are you a four? Yeah. (laughs) That's a personality test, by the way, if you're curious. I find myself teetering between a four and a three. Okay. So that would be good soil. You feel like you definitely have good moments. Yeah. And then three, you with the cares of the world. The cares of this world. Of your concentrate on other things. And I read this now. Some may disagree with the way I've interpreted this particular translation. It talks about the cares of this world. And well, that means seeking wealth. That means, well, yes, but it's also trying to connect your own dots, in my opinion. Okay. The cares of this world are those things that we we worry over. We We get anxious over. Scripture tells us to be anxious over nothing, but I have to make this thing work. And I'm not remembering God's word in my life. And I'm choosing to, instead of leaving things in his hands and trust him with things, I'm taking those burdens on myself, if that makes mm. sense. So I find myself teetering between those those two. But I was like, man, that could work for like anything. If you think about it, those mm. four personality types. Of uh, the, all four of the, the where the seed hit. Go for it. Like, I'm going to give you Star Wars. Now you put it, like, Star Wars fandom. Okay, okay. So th- it fell on the on the uh, path. The path that means you don't care about you it at care. all. You didn't get it. Whatever. Uh, Not the, a Star Wars fan. The shallow soil, the yeah. rocky soil. I guess that you you like the idea of it. Yeah, you're sort of in. And then you don't stick around for the rest of the series. Well, you became like a Lord of the Rings person after that. So. <laughs> okay. And then the cares of this world. You would love to camp out at uh, movie premieres, but you have a job uh, <laughs> and you're a productive member of society. So in this case, that probably would be the best type. Of in, in this scenario, absolutely. As opposed to the person who's like going to go to the movie theater, which my husband may very well be camping out for all nine episodes. That's amazing. That's amazing. <laughs> and, and that would be gung-ho and you're all in. What matters is believing that Jesus is who he said he was. Yeah. And um, then whatever follows out of that, is going to be something like, if you are in line with Jesus Christ, uh, you could be the one guy. I was just, this incredible story. He wrote um, he wrote one little article about a people in need in Africa. Mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. one little article was read by Bill Gates and his wife. And from that one little article, he said that nobody else cared about it except for a couple of pretty important people. Yeah, This entire populace God was able to help them through the the toiling, if you will, of one Bill Gates and his, you know, people that he's hired just to to try to help his people. It was basically getting him a sanitation service that worked wow. and clean water 
Uh, it was an incredible story, but I thought, you know, you're doing your, quote, little thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, please, in the kingdom of heaven. I mean, yep. look at how tiny your 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 elbow is, that joint is. But it serves the one of the more muscular parts of your body is your bicep, and it serves to move the hands. I mean, what you can't belittle anything except maybe the appendix because we really don't know what that means. You know, I don't want to be the days, appendix of Jesus. One of these days, <laughs> it's going to come out that the appendix made pineapple taste sweeter or something, really? you know, and it's like, oh, it did oh, something. Does your, is your, do you still have your appendix? Because we can't test that theory. I I have mine. Do you have yours? No, I do. I still have it. So, like, if you don't have an appendix, taste pineapple and see if there was a difference. Don't do that. We just made that up. Is that it? <sighs> That's it. Well, thank you for <laughs> hanging out with us. Let it on pineapple. Uh, keep in mind, Monday through Friday, I have... 5.30 to 10 it Central. It does help digestion, by the way. You know what helps digest Rochelle and Carter is music in between us yapping. And some Tylenol. And, it's, and some Tylenol, too. Ooh, we'll catch you next time.